Hey, this is Casey Shearer. And this is Ray. Do you like pop culture? We're pretty sure you do. Then come on over and check us out at deluxeedition.show. You will not be sorry. Or maybe you will be. I don't know. episode of the podcast that wouldn't die i'm your host kevin with me as always zarin ciao this week we'll be discussing the horror classic don't look now starring julie christie and donald sutherland each week on the podcast that wouldn't die we discuss guilty pleasures and forgotten classics of the horror and sci-fi genre with the comedic twist aaron how are you doing Benny, come by Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to shoot back some sp- Espanol at me. Espanol, some Spanglish. Some now, Spanglish. this movie takes place in Venice, largely. So is that why you're busting well, out the Italian? I'm trying to talk to you with Italian. I'm the queen of Duolingo. You are, what is your, uh, how many days consecutively have you Duolingoed? Seven days. <laughs> Seven days, like the ring? Yes. But but it's the same. I've I actually took Italian instruction multiple times, mm. and I usually get everything right until we get to the test, and then suddenly I don't know how to spell anything. I always say the gooch for me in languages is like if you put a book in front of me, I can probably figure it out. But if oh, I have to actually cool. communicate with people, forget it. Okay. It's hopeless. Okay. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. If, if you drop me off on an island and they only spoke Spanish on the island. <coughs> I don't know what's wrong. Again, allowed to mute yourself. I, I can't think of that at the time. I guess. What I need to do is date like an Italian mute. So he has to write everything down and then we'll be solid. It's when they start yammering at me. I'm like, piano, piano. Doing slowly, slowly. Piano forte. You know, I do the same thing. When you're talking in your native tongue and you get excited, it gets faster and faster and faster and faster. And then you're like. Well, we've been on, on other podcasts before, international podcasts. And generally, the, the notes we get back is we are very loud. I don't know if that's an American thing. It's, or... it's a Doherty thing. That, that's, I think that's the gooch right there. We, we come on American. strong. Brianna yes. talks about uh, she lived in England for 15 years, in case you didn't know that, Kevin. I did uh, know that. That people, people would literally come to you like, why are you talking so loud? What's the matter with you? Why are you shouting? <laughs> it's, it's a problem. People it's a problem. People have said that to me all my life. I have had my hearing tested, but I feel like when I try to whisper, then no one can understand me. Uh, when, when has this ever occurred that you've been whispering? I Never. have considered it, and people are like, what? It's, it's <laughs> literally, my choices are shouting or mumbling. Interesting. <laughs> one from column A, <laughs> one from <laughs> column B. Aaron! My whisper is so loud that the person I'm trying to not have here hears me clearly. That's right. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you're trying to talk trash about somebody nearby and they hear you crisply and clearly. Is that what you're saying? Traditionally, whenever I'm talking trash, the person is standing right behind me. As is the, me. As is the way, for goodness sakes. <laughs> I can't figure out how to mute myself, but I want to cough. Oh, here, I can push the button. Hang on. I only need to cough when we're recording. <laughs> but see, that's what you do. You say what you got to say, then surreptitiously you slide over and tap the, the mute button. Cough, cough, cough. Sarah, you don't make it's not draw attention to the fact that now I'm it's I'm muting cough, myself. Cough. It's like emphysema, instant emphysema. Anyway, Aaron, give us your 30-second synopsis of Don't Look Now. Well, before I do that, I'd rather you not have you seen on TikTok where they go, you have endless videos of people getting their ears dug out that are plugged shut. Maybe no. that's what's going on with you. Perhaps. There's a Mothman in there. There's 15 pounds of God knows what. There's they a Mothman in there? They talk music while they just dig and dig and dig. It's super high focus. I told you one time I was flipping channels when we were on vacation. And I came across Dr. Dr. Pimple Popper, which I'd never seen before. And it was horrifying. Horrifying. Dr. Pimple Popper is the best. But, but all these shows, I don't care about your fucking backstory. I just want extreme close-ups. I used to watch that show, but like I said, I don't want to spend 20 minutes hearing how how hard your life is because you got like a giant zit and nobody to pop it for you. Uh, well, I what I saw, what I saw, it wasn't popping. It was more like I have a huge tumor, like a second head growing out of my shoulder that uh, I can't turn my head anymore. So I finally went to the doctor to have him look at it. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to see lipomas. I just want to see cysts and blackheads. That's all I care That's about. That's not what was happening. Anyway. The bigger, the angrier, she stabs it with a butcher knife, and it becomes the Trevi Fountain. That is the best. This is the most terrifying uh, tale of all. Would you it's please tell us about Don't Look Now? Don't Look Now. Tell us about it, for God's sakes. Uh, as one did back in the 60s and 70s, uh, you just sent your kids outside to go play for hours. You said, it's time for you to go outside and get some air. And, you, and the parents would lock the door so they could have uh, sex and quiet. And it didn't matter if there was an uncovered well, an ocean, a lake, uh, lions, tigers, or bears, oh my, you came back by dinner time. Didn't matter your age. I, I think I was locked out at like five, uh, you know, sent to the neighbors. The, the neighbors across the street, I thought I saw a little girl go over there and I'd be knocking on the door. I hear you have a girl. My name is Erin. Can I play? Would you like so, to babysit me? Sometimes. I mean, this, the thing about the 60s and 70s, it was probably better for the human race because you kind of thinned out the numbskulls and the people who just, you know, were too dumb to be alive. Nowadays, everybody's in bubble wrap, so now they're all going to reproduce, and that's going to be the end of civilization. So as what would happen is sometimes, you know, you had two kids, and then now you have one. <laughs> We haven't even gotten to Venice yet. Are we ever getting to Venice? Or is that in the second half hour of your 30-second synopsis? So, of course, the mother is very upset and the father could give a fuck. So, 
now we're working in Venice. I don't know what he is. He's he's moving bricks. He's he's scraping at art. I don't know what he is. Sometimes he speaks perfect Italian. If it's workman Italian, uh, if it's hotel Italian, English, English. Uh, so we don't know. Anyway, the wife meets these uh, old British ladies who look vaguely familiar to me, who have like a psychic gift. And then they'd say, you know, we see your daughter and she's happy and she's with you. And it's very comforting. And the fa- she tells her husband, full denial, full denial, you crazy, as they all, as the men are off to do in their gaslighting world. <laughs> you so crazy. Stop it. I child's dead. I child's dead. <laughs> For God's sake. Wait, I, have to, I have to defend men everywhere because this is the third straight episode where it's, why are they gaslighting these poor old ladies all the time? Look, Ask if- yourself. Why in every movie do you have to throw that in? I think you're allowed to be skeptical if they're like, I met these strange blind psychics at the open air. It's like, no, I can be skeptical about that. That doesn't mean I'm gaslighting (laughs) that I'm Ike Turner or abusive. My wife mentions black magic. It is the husband telling the wife, the, the, the wife knows and the man says no. And as it turns out, he's the psychic one. He's the worst psychic of all. He couldn't predict his child was going to be dead. Uh, it was it was like psychic when it is of no value to you. Right. As, as is the way. Sorry, continue. Continue. Do your thing. Anyway, they get a warning that he needs to leave Venice immediately. Bad chips, shit's going to happen. There's a serial killer loose in, in Venezia, which I'm surprised there aren't more. Just throw them in the canal. And uh, hijinks ensues. And yeah, he don't listen. So you get what you get. <laughs> you get what you get when you gaslight, evidently. Aaron, had you ever Carla. seen this before? Uh, yeah, I've seen this a couple times. I remember, I had never heard of this movie. And then it's I was watching. European. Yes. I well, it's uh, it was slow to Americans. It's it's European and it's from before I was born, like just before I was born. Oh yeah, I don't Um, even know. Is it from the seventies? It's seventy two, seventy three, seventy three. Um, and but I was watching like the hundred greatest horror movie moments on AMC or Turner Classic Movies, whatever it was. And they showed the scene. And of course, they, they reveal the ending. So I knew what the, the, the surprise twist was going in. Um, but it was like, I think it was John Landis, of all people, was, on, was like one of the, the people that they interviewed. And he was like, oh, yes, you know, when I saw Don't Look Now, it was the ending really messed me up, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll have to check that out sometime. So I Is did wind up seeing small people. <laughs> that's what it is. Now, I um, I saw it, I want to say, like 15 years ago for the first time. And I felt like I enjoyed it more then than I did it on this viewing. I feel like I understood it more this time. Okay. When, That's when fair. I saw it before, I thought the old ladies were like witches. I thought they were like causing things to happen. And I thought, because they were very reminiscent of uh, the Rosemary, uh, Rosemary's Baby Neighbors. 
Just because they're all but, women. But now I don't think that at all. I think they're they're pure. They're they're pure. oh, they're absolutely uh, yes. In in retrospect, they're they're helpers. Right. It's the the one the one blind psychic lady is is the is the helper. She's trying to help. She's trying um, to help, and the yes. wife who's not psychic believes, and the husband who apparently is psychic uh, gets what he gets. And this was based upon a short story by Daphne du Maurier, who did uh, Rebecca and also did The Birds, which we didn't mention. Uh, She wrote both of those stories. And I guess in the story, it really hits the fact that he, the husband, is kind of psychic but doesn't know it. Like Like at the beginning of the movie, and they kind of hint this in the movie, where it's like at the beginning of the movie when they're in Venice, or excuse me, when they're in England, I guess, and he's doing something with his slides, he see he has like a premonition that something's going wrong, and that's why he runs out to find his dead daughter. Right? right. Like he knew, he knew. Now, that would have been helpful information 10 minutes earlier. Right. Don't tell me after my daughter's dead. Tell it's me when I can actually right. do something about it. In the movie, he that hits him. And then there's like a, he gets a vision of the future uh, with his wife at a funeral. But once again, what good is it to be psychic if you can't figure any of it out? Right. You know what I mean? I'm going to have a vision that I win the the lottery and I have billions of dollars, but I I can't figure out how, how this is useful to me. I can't figure out how to put it together, what it means, da-da-da-da-da, so. Right, well, and, and this movie, we could definitely say, is a bit of a slow burn, if you will. We talked about that European style. European. Artsy. It's kind of an artistic flavor. Because there's there's long scenes of Donald Sutherland just kind of walking through alleys and the canals and in Venice. Just extended I would love scenes. to be in Venice in winter time when you get all that fog. Usually, I'm there when it's a swamp, but uh, no, usually that's you're there. Mysterious, huh? Aaron, Aaron's what we call a jet setter in the biz. She's constantly flying that's off sweet. by herself. Here we go. The... Songs for the for the jet set. That's me. I have been to Venice many times. It, it is amazing, amazingly beautiful. You can't imagine it. No picture fully shows you what it looks like. You have to actually be there. I've been to Venice one time. I stayed in a hostel. And just, I mean, frankly, Italy's this way and France is this way. We were like, there's so much interesting historical architecture and things like that. But there's also a lot of just crap and dirt and trash everywhere. So just you understand. Gotta, you gotta figure it out. You gotta do your research. And, you and they also have a ton of stuff. So unless you want to exhaust yourself, running from place to place you just got to pick a couple of highlights and assume you'll be back otherwise by the end of your trip you're like i hate this place i'm gonna burn it down well hopefully (laughs) hopefully don't go directly to i'm gonna burn it down but i took a semester after uh college uh to study art history and we were bang seven days a week yeah uh from breakfast till dinner every day by the end of the first week, I was like, I fucking hate art. I'm going to pretend I'm sick and stay in the hotel and, and just be free. I was like, well, it's like I a workout. Nice. It's like a marathon. Yeah, when I, went, when I went to Europe and you go to these and places. I was in college, 
So I also drank all night, so I was running on three, four hours of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. Uh, we, Buddy and I, backpacked through Europe. And we went to, you know, went to all the capitals of, of Western Europe, more or less. And you'd be in France for a week or London for a week, Paris. Um, and every day you're getting up early, spending all day walking around, going to museums. Well, you know, we're poor. We don't have a car. So we're walking here or there. And then you get home at five or six and just be wiped. Yeah. Be absolutely wiped. And then you get up the next day and do it all over again. Because when are you going to be back? Maybe never. My advice for those future travelers is either do one big thing or two little things a day and then draw a line. And then just sit and watch people and just relax because it's supposed to be a vacation. It is. Don't panic and assume you'll never do it because you won't have fun. Well, and don't take pictures of things. No. Take pictures of yourselves at play. You know what I mean? It's like it should be selfies at places, frankly, because that then you'll go back and look at it. Otherwise, who cares? It's like, OK, well, here's a cathedral in Barcelona. I can go online and find pictures of that. You know what I mean? Right. I was on a trip with my friend Linda. She's like, why aren't you taking pictures? I'm like, because what am I going to do with this? I mean, I'm at the back lot at Warner Brothers. So right. Unless I'm doing a stage thing with you or me, or there's something architecturally relevant, I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Right. Usually, I'm on vacation. I'll take a few pictures just to post on Facebook, and then I delete all the pictures. <laughs> then I wipe my brain unless clean. I'm in it, or if it's something important, I go back and delete it. I got twenty thousand pictures. Goddamn iPhone. Okay, let's get back on track. Aaron, what, what you got for uh, the we highlights? I agree that Venice is the best, and you and even though the gondola ride is $100, you still have to do it at sunset, even if you're with your, your homies. It's worth it. Fair enough. Don't look now. <laughs> I already gave you my whole description. No, I'm saying highlights, what you got. Oh, my God. Why does Donald Sutherland have to show his ass in every freaking movie? What, why do we need to see it in Animal House? Why is he like the hot stud of the 70s? What's that all about? That is kind of funny. Well, we do need to talk about there is literally a 20-minute musical montage sex scene between Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie, where it's that weird, there's at least one scene where her head is in his armpit kind of thing, where I'm just like, maybe they did it differently in the 70s. But I'm not, nope. there's not a lot of armpit play. Why did they do it Udo Kier style? That's what I'm talking about. No one, okay, maybe I'd do it differently. There's no armpit play in my bedroom. That's a little glimpse, and that's all you're getting. <laughs> what about knee? Is there a lot of knee kisses? There's a lot of knee kisses. It was bizarre because it is kind of like you a perverse game. Of... Yourself up. You know, when, when anal sex becomes boring, <laughs> where comes. else can you go but armpit kissing? Where else can you go? It's like a perverse game of Twister is basically <laughs> what it is. Like no one's ever heard of such a game. But it goes on for 20 minutes where I'm like, is there no more plot to this movie? Yeah, so too much. very upsetting. Too much if you ask me. I mean, Julie Christie, I think is beautiful, but no one. Stop with the ass, Donald. <laughs> you think he shows up on the first stage? This is like now. When's my ass scene? I gotta let's work this in. Is it is it in the museum? Am I walking down a canal, ass out? You got a makeup artist who's down there part powdering up his ass. 
Lancing boils and putting cover up on. Here it comes, Dr. Pipple Popper helping out. It all goes back on retainer. Exactly. Give people a break. Yes. Give us the audience a break for God's sake. I guess at least it wasn't full frontal. Yes. So there's that at least. Um let's also talk about how it seemed as though Julie Christie and Don Sutherland had the same kind of crazy curly 70s hair for some reason, where it's like I curled my hair and then went to bed and then just rolled out of bed. I got to say, I wonder if, um, I don't know, if it's just natural, because for both of them, I've only ever seen them with curly hair. No, I, Sutherland definitely had the curls in the 70s. In the 70s, he was all curled out. I think by the 80s, he was not curly anymore. I don't know if he started straightening his hair or if he curled it in the 70s. I don't know what was happening. In, in this time, it was very awesome to have curly hair. In fact, the perm was all the rage. You kind of wanted to have, like, the black people had afros. And we kind of wanted to get in on that style. So the best we had was like the Tony perm or which is your home perm or you went to the salon and they used the tiny little rollers. So you had like a full Ronald McDonald because of course we can't have like a real Afro. So you got this kinky round crazy curls. Now, Aaron, you had a perm far later than people had perms. It was, it was in the 70s. It was like the late 70s. And mom gave me a home perm that just simply fried my hair out. Fried yeah, I it. I remember you having one in the 2000s. Oh, I keep trying to bring it back because my yes, hair is Marsha nice. Brady thin. And like we hold, I have a curling iron that goes almost to 500 degrees. Smoke will come out. I release the curling iron and it just falls flat. So I yeah. kept trying for my, when I got married, I, they gave me a perm just so they could style my hair. I tried to bring it back. Oh, like at 2010, I went to a place she put it in, and then after she'd put all the chemicals aside, she was very uncomfortable with the whole thing and uh, sent me home to air neutralize. I was like, Wait a minute. She was uncomfortable. What does that mean? She was uncomfortable with the whole thing. It has apparently been a long time since she did it and when she was concerned about my hair after she had put the chemicals on it. I see. Interesting. After she had done it. So I had to go spend the, this was like a two. So the plan was the next day I should take them out and wash it. Air neutralized. Never heard this shit in my life. Uh, I had to like literally like I was Hazel or Alice from the Brady Bunch put like a scarf because I had, I had little kids. I had stuff to do. I can't, I'm walking around with perm rods in public. Who's Hazel, by the way? Uh, that's from some old black and white show. I can't even tell you the name. <laughs> Let's get but, the show back on track. But what I'm saying it. is, so I took it out. And once again, my hair was fried. Like, you can't brush it till it's dry. Because if you brush it when it was wet, it felt like gelatin. And you could just pull it out. It's like you used Nair on your scalp. I basically had softened it with Nair. Yeah. Oh, lovely. 
Uh huh. Like oh, I, I, all, I kept always trying to bring back the perm. I had a friend who's African American. I, I made her give me a perm. She's like, I don't, I, I don't know what a perm is. I'm like, it's like hair straightener, except you're going in the opposite direction. In reverse. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. <laughs> Anyway, it was a thing. Because, you know, whatever you have, yes. whatever you're born with, you don't want. I have friends with beautiful ringlet hair who spent almost their entire life trying to straighten it. And let me tell you, everybody can tell that you have curly hair because it never looks right. Well, it, the thing is, is that if you have straight hair, occasionally you're like, I like a little little wave in there kind of mix it up now and again. But if you have to have your hair curly every day, it can be kind of a hassle. That's what it is. It's like people who wear glasses. People who don't wear glasses, every now and again, I would like to have glasses on kind of as a fashion. But if you have to wear glasses every day, you're like, not feeling it. Where are my contacts? I, I remember feeling very let out, left out because I didn't have braces. And then I got braces. And then I was like, oh, f- that That's ridiculous. Everybody had braces. Why don't I have braces? Why don't I have a leg brace like that kid in the class? Everybody has an artificial leg. How come I don't? Why can't I? Anyway, okay. So Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie's daughter drowned in the in the creek because as was negligent parents. As was just let them do it. As was the style. Now, in in Donald Sutherland's defense, he did dive in and try to do a little half-ass CPR to save her little ass to no avail. To yeah. no avail. Yeah. They, they shipped the son off to boarding school because they couldn't stand the sight of him any longer. And then immediately fled to Venice. Because as Donald one Sutherland, does. As, one, as Aaron often does. To restore a church, a Venetian church that is fallen into disrepair evidently I mean, it, it was so ridiculous so you have donald sutherland with the workman putting up what it looks like a plaster of paris homemade they're doing mosaic. they're restoring they were restoring. No, 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 not what he fell i'm talking about what he's with the workman on a ladder and they're they're they have uh they're hoisting in it's a, a giant statue it's a gargoyle you don't have gargoyles like 10 feet they're up at the rafters. Do you have gargoyles on churches? Maybe you do. I don't know. It seems kind of sinful. No, no. They're no, usually at, at Notre Dame has famous gargoyles, but they're like rain no. spouts. Right. Correct. Correct. They serve. <laughs> and I lo- they show him literally he's hands on. He's not just the architect, you know, in charge of restoring. He's the one up there hanging out with like a rope around his. Well, he's like holding a 300 pound gargoyle, placing it precariously into its nook. I'm like, maybe some cement, throw a little cement. No, just going to let it balance up there to fall down and crush some poor tourist. Good plan. We don't know what the hell he's doing because he's like yelling at the dudes who do this every day of their life. He knows better Then he has to climb up and compare mosaics. And then he's just in his hotel room staring at painting pictures and staring at architectural diagrams. We don't actually know what the hell he's doing. He's apparently restoring the church. What is he yes. the general contractor? Is he the art historian? What is he? 
I mean, the priest is ordering the mosaics from from his family. That seems a little close. Getting a little money for the family. Yeah, they, for for the hundreds of years, this this company's worked for my family. And but he doubts it enough that he has to climb up and yes. compare it. I mean, these are people restorers. They, they do this generationally. I mean, they don't know what they're doing. An American flying in from England to handle this? They don't have anybody in actual Italy to restore it? Interesting. Okay. Well, you know, the Americans got to save the day. Here we go again. We do. It's true. We know better we than everybody. We know better. I can't explain it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we so- can't explain what the hell his job is at all. But that's the thing. So then, and then Julie Christie couple. just follows him around and watches him that's work from a distance. From a distance, <laughs> Julie's watching you. Are you making up a song? I thought you were going <laughs> to sing the Bette Midler song from a distance. But yes. then you're going to go off on your own little. <laughs> well, I had to incorporate Julie Christie. Interesting. Well, the notes were different as well. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> a little freestyle. <laughs> But yes, I, I think in the seventies, the husband is working all day doing whatever, and the wife hangs out in the in the hotel room all day. Is that the thing? I don't know. What? what how did how did it work, Aaron? Uh, apparently, I don't know. Good lord! When I was in Europe, I I I sought out other Americans or people's friends and did stuff with folks. There's a lot to do. In foreign countries, besides sitting in your hotel room or talking to old British psychics. That is true. So, okay. So they meet for lunch at, at a cafe or whatever. His wife has to excuse herself because she's feeling faint or whatever. She's in the bathroom until closing time. <laughs> closing Donald time. <laughs> Donald Sullivan does not inquire as to where his wife has been for the last four hours. He just finishes his meal, looks at some old uh, slides. What? That's not good husbanding. He literally no. puts his like br- briefcase on top of like her plates and things. He he <laughs> is the most detached husband, except when it comes to showing his ass. Well, Twenty she, minute montage of sex, followed by the rest of the week him just ignoring you. Well, and this is where she meets the, the creepy old sisters, where one's a blind psychic, and she's the one who says, I can see your daughter, Christine, I think her name was. She's with you. She's happy, which causes Julie Christie to pass out on the, on the filthy Italian bathroom floor multiple times. And there's like an old Italian like bathroom attendant who's just going, strega, strega, strega. <laughs> which is what they do that's pretty much it's pretty standard they're very jazzy those italian women right so so you're right the, the wife is like i met these psychics they say our recently deceased daughter is is doing great perhaps better than our neglectful asses could do for her um and donald sutherland flies into a rage constantly Stop mentioning my dead daughter in my presence. She's dead. She's dead. She's dead. Get over it. Relax. Uh, (laughs) We can always have another. Uh, So, yes. So so there's now like two plots going on. There's Donald restoring the church while Julie Christie hangs out with the crazy blind psychics. Meanwhile, there's a serial killer in Venice. So they're constantly yes. turning a corner and they're like uh, pulling prostitutes out, out of the canal. 
Did they establish their prostitutes? I decided they were. <laughs> they can't always be prostitutes, but needless to say, yes, there's a, so there's the, the city's in panic because they're constantly pulling corpses out of Venice. Who know? They probably went for a swim and died from the pollution. Let's be honest. Probably has nothing to do with the cereal. Many people just dive right in. I, I I sit there and I drink my spritz and I just watch tourists dive into the canal to splash around. Splish splash. <laughs> right. So that's a whole. That's a reoccurring subplot. Now later in the film, Donald Sutherland keeps seeing a little girl in a red slicker kind of running down the canals just out of sight kind of thing. Little, which is little of course, Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood, which is, of course, the, the outfit that his daughter was wearing when she drowned. Does God so know? these moments. There, there was only, it was a one of a kind. It was haute couture. There was only, it was just for the runway. No other <laughs> red rain jacket could exist. Do not exist. Do not exist. Now, later in the movie, they get a call from the boarding school in England saying, little Billy, your abandoned son is having some issue. Uh, did they ever tell us what the issue was at school? I don't he bonked know. his head. He did you know those British happened. boarding schools? It was probably a circle jerk gone terribly wrong. <laughs> is that a thing? Is that, is that traditional? Uh... I like to assume between the beatings and children raising other, other children, there's all kinds of hijinks in British boarding schools. See, I think well, you when you're like, like seven. Yes. And then you That's never see your parents again. I thought it was going to be like a Wuthering Heights situation, but you went directly to Circle Jerks. So <laughs> I don't. Who knows what the story is? Was uh, there private boarding schools in Wuthering Heights? I don't know. I, it's kind of a gothic building where, you know, you sleep in straw in the corner. I don't know. That's how they did it. <laughs> Isn't that the thing? I didn't go to boarding school. I uh, went to boarding school, but it wasn't a British boarding school, and I wasn't seven. Did you sleep in hay in the corner of your dungeon cell? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I did uh, not. So Julie Christie's like, I'm going back to England to make sure everything's cool. And Donald Sutherland, it's like literally the, the bishop who he's talking to, he's like, where is your beautiful wife? And he's like, oh, she went back to England because our child, you know, has almost died. Right. And the bishop's like, uh, you should have gone with her. And she, and he's like, uh, anywho, let me look at these mosaics. Yeah, nice I can't be bothered. Once again, emotionally detached. I can't be bothered. One child dead. I'm just going to assume all my ch children are dead. He's like moving on, moving on. But that's when he sees, he's riding on one of the ferries, Donald Sutherland, and he looks out and he sees the boat go by a funeral It's not boat. a ferry. It's a Valparetto. I call it a ferry. Thank you very much. It Tomato is the tomorrow. water buses. Whatever. The, it's, a, it's a thing. A kind of a The ship. water bus. I don't call it that. I'm going to go to... You call it a Valparetto. <laughs> so he sees the funereal ship floating by, and then he sees his wife with the crazy psychics. They're all dressed in black. And he's like, Laura, Laura. And he's now convinced that his wife has been kidnapped by the psychics, that she didn't get on the plane right. to England. She's that under instead, a trance. She's been hypnotized by the crazy <laughs> middle-aged psychics. Uh, How do you get an old blind psychic to stand on the, the front of a boat without being propped up in that choppy water? 
Those old ladies should have been in the drink. That, oh, no question. <laughs> they would have been fishing their corpses out of the water after that. I mean, no you're on the Valparaiso. You're hanging on for dear life. So I don't know yeah. how they're just like they're on the Rose Parade float. Just a thing that they do back <laughs> in the day. But he's convinced that he's that she's been con- uh, kidnapped. He goes, I don't know how the elderly are kidnapping young Julie Christie. One of them is blind. <laughs> one of them is blind. Yeah, let's not forget that. One of them is blind, and they're at least 75 years old each. But anyway, <laughs> he's going place to place trying to find his wife. He goes to the cops and literally gives descriptions of the old women saying, they have obviously kidnapped my wife. Hunt them down. And they get arrested. The old women get arrested and hauled down to the station. He has some juice because I got my credit card cloned in in Florence and they were taking out $1,500 a day for about a week until I realized where, where my money, where my money and it was a nightmare having to go to the Carabinieri because you don't go to the regular police for that because now it's a different kind of crime. People are not just jumping into action. Mostly they talk that. I was the criminal. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I had to get a notice from the U.S. Embassy, the consulate. It was, it was a freak show. It was a total freak show. So he eventually he gets the call from Julie Christie going like, uh, I'm in England. Everything's cool over here. And he's like, whoops, I guess I better go down to the station and release the poor old biddies from their torturous cell. I mean, they're probably being waterboarded at that moment right then and there, for all we know. I can tell you the police would all be smoking cigarettes while they questioned her. Looking at that. That's what they do. That's That's what what they they do. do. They were like always smoking. It's Europe. When I was in France, there would be dudes leaning against the no smoking signs, like chain smoking. Yeah. There's no shame. No shame. You'd be in a train car with no ventilation. The non-smoking car. And somebody would sit right next to you and just start lighting up. And you're like, bro. Yeah, vaping's not a big thing. It's old school there. Everything old old is new again. They're rolling it themselves. Rolling their own. I just got some tobacco from Turkey. You could smell the reek of just old stale cigarette coming down the hall. And espresso and diesel. Europe smells like cigarettes, strong coffee, and diesel. Sounds sounds delicious. With a hint of sewer. With a hint of sewer. With dog, (laughs) we step it in dog poop. Uh, Anyway, so he feels bad. So he gets her released and walks her back to her hotel. And that's when she proceeds to start having a seizure. Because he's like, uh, I think I'm going to leave now. Adios. And she starts spazzing out. Get him back. Get him back. Because she's Cause like, the shit's about to go down. The shit's about to go down. Because I think throughout the movie, they were like, you guys should leave. You guys should both go back to England. Get the hell out of here. You're in danger kind of thing. It was kind of an undercurrent of danger is the right. idea. He's in and danger. He's in danger. And he is not listening. He listens he, he to no He one. gaslights. He gaslights. He says, he hey, is. relax. Relax. Come on. Have you forgotten to take your medication? Take your medication. Like, drug her up immediately. To, drug her up to shut her up. I was like, that. I thought that was so awkward. I thought, oh, I was like, oh, you're real. That's how they do. That's how they do it. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in his, again, I feel like I'm always def, uh, defending. Why are you defending Donald Sutherland? You know he's a dink. He's he, okay. 
they are both dealing with their grief in their own ways. Okay. She is, is in her feelings where he is kind of putting up walls. He doesn't right. want to deal. The only feeling he wants is on his penis. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. But I mean, the, the thing about it, so, but that's what I'm saying. If somebody, if a psychic comes up to you and starts talking to you about your recently deceased daughter, I think you could have a negative reaction to that, Aaron, and not be. Well, I would also be concerned. I mean, if a psychic comes up to me and says, I see your daughter with you. She's happy. I would get a sense of of calm. As long as she's not asking me for $20,000 for an enhanced reading, that would make me happy. I would not like try to punch old ladies. Do you know what I saw? This reminds me. I was watching. I don't watch a lot of Modern Family, but I happen to watch one episode where uh, Sofia Vergara and her niece go to get like a reading, and the whole time her little niece is sitting there with her glasses, going like, "I can't wait to just rip into this psychic. This is such BS." But by the end, she could tell that her aunt Sofia Vergara like got something like, "Oh, your grandmother's so proud of you," and she like she. It was like a therapy session. So at that moment, she realized that there was the value to it. And therefore, even if it is hooey, you know, it's not hurting anybody. Right. And it makes her feel happy to, to go and, and get the reading from her grandmother kind of thing. So, so there you go. Well, because yeah, uh, it used to ahead. be illegal. It used to be illegal to do these psychic things because people right. took advantage and now they they right. slap. Dad used to say he had he had these clients that were gypsies, and they would be in trouble for doing the psychic readings and stuff. So he was their attorney. But then they changed the law, and now they slap for entertainment purposes only. It's the people who who actively go after these vulnerable people and ten thousand dollars to get the curse off of you and that kind of shit. No, that's that's true. It's like if you pay somebody for a drag me to hell up front, drag me to hell. You pay whatever it is up front, and then they do a reading, and then you leave. Cool. But if it's like, and please write me a check so that we can have the further discussions with your dead grandmother. There's a curse on you. You're in terrible danger. The malork is on you. Drag me to hell. The malork, exactly. (laughs) The malark. (laughs) The malark. Um, so that, okay. So then Donald Sutherland leaves. And of course, then he sees the little red girl and the, the little girl in the red slicker running around. He's chasing her. And so that's the, the, the big climactic moment. Julie Christie is back from England, trying to chase him down. And the most bizarre twist. Oh my God. You're never going to Go see ahead. this shit coming. Go for it. He, he corners. I mean, I mean, the little person is flying through the air jumping. I mean, uh, Venice is a maze, even with GPS. So you'll be somewhere and all of a sudden your GPS just starts spinning around like you're at the center of hell. It is a maze. And he is, it's like, how do I get to the other side? But he's on it like a dog. He's, he's jumping over bridges, running down. He gets cornered in the, in the section and he's calling to her. She's kind of trapped and she Christine turns around. Yeah. She it's turns around. And it's clearly just an, an old, withered, tiny person with a big old knife who I'm not sure how she got over to him so fast, but slice and dice by Donald Sutherland. That's it. And, That's and away she goes in her time machine. 
Off with the time bandit crowd. <laughs> well, and then it cuts to the funereal boat with Julius And it all Steve comes true. Right. It turns so out. He, yeah, go ahead. He had the vision, he, which he didn't realize, of his own funeral, essentially. That's what it was. So, but that's, again, throughout the whole story, he's doing his thing. He's conflicted. It's more, it's, for a lot of it, it's almost like ordinary people or something where it's like a family drama kind of right. dealing with, you know, the trauma of losing a child. But then every now and again, they'd be like, oh, yeah, there was a murder yesterday. Oh, there, there's a body we're hauling out. It's seemingly apropos of nothing. Just and like what a dangerous know. city uh, Venice is. It's, it's like Detroit. It's, it's, it's Detroit. It's business. the murder capital of Italy. Who knew? It, absolutely. Who knew? So at the end, when he is like chasing what he thinks is his dead daughter's spirit or whatever it is, and it's revealed to be a little crazy killer dwarf. It was like the orphan, but but it, it she's all shriveled up and old. Yes. It was so, it's like, what the, what is this? It was crazy. And he's sitting there going like, what? Huh? And the and the killer comes up and just gets him like with a cleaver right to the throat, and that's that's ball game. Poor Donald. I mean, you don't see a, a a small person with a cleaver coming at me. And let me tell you, that little old person was sprinting, not out of breath, ready to go kill some more. It's like the little the little uh, devil fetish doll from uh, Zuni trilogy of terror. He was not catching up. He wasn't. No. Donald Sutherland is a grown man, long-legged, could not catch up until like, a, what was it, a, a blind corner, like a dead end, and then there it was. Boom. Boom. So it's, it is, it's kind of an achievement how bizarre this twist is. It is, it is kind of a M. Night Shyamalan moment. Exactly. It really is. Because it's, it's really, such- it's not a horror film, it's more of a suspense film, but I like suspenses where you have a chance in hell of figuring it out. You're no never going to figure that out. You're not, you would in a million years, you wouldn't be like, Oh, it's obviously a little dwarf who's been murdering people in Venice. I never. mean, how are they able to just not only just kill people without being kicked across the room, uh, get rid of the bodies by throwing them in the drink. It's true. This person, this, I, I mean, this is a, that's a murder seems f- a physical job. I haven't done it yet, it but it does seem like you need to have a lot of body strength. Well, I think what it is, if I remember this correctly, in the books, Donald Sutherland is constantly seeing the little redheaded person running and an adult chasing. So it's it's kind of a I need to go protect this little child oh. not realizing not realizing someone's chasing a murderer someone's trying to like hey stop murderer kind of a uh, reoccurring thing so interesting now here's a question for you why is this movie called don't look now i have no idea i have no idea either <laughs> no one knows Perhaps no. if we read the original story by Daphne du Maurier, we would know. But that's that's what it was called. The story was called as well. Well, maybe it means like, but don't look now. Instead of don't look now. <laughs> it, it's more like don't look now, like voila. Right. No, no. I mean, I, I understand the, the idiom, what it means. Don't like, don't look now. Right. 
Is that a good Or it could be. Don't look now. <laughs> Don't look later. Look now. <laughs> Don't look now. Oh, sweet Jesus. Anything else? Or should we go behind the scenes? Behind the scenes, friends. Did they actually have sex? Is there like a baby Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie baby running around? This was a rumor that they had un unsimulated sex in this movie, but they've all denied it up and down, up and down. They always release uh, that shit all the time. They do. Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie met for the first time on the set of this film. The first scene they had to shoot was the sex scene as Nicholas Roge wanted to get it out of the way. That's the director. And then move on to the bone of the matter. Christie was terrible. Oh, it was the bone of the matter. The bone of the matter. <laughs> uh, Donald Sutherland actually recounted the infamous sex scene, how it was shot on the inside the actor's studio. <laughs> and he said they were on set at 7 a.m. in dressing gowns. Uh, they gave him a glass of champagne to kind of <laughs> calm down the nerves a little bit. Uh, they had uh, just the director and the cinematographer with two different cameras. The cameras were unsilenced and the room was oak paneled, so it was noisy as hell. At the same time, the director would just shout out directions over the noise of the cameras to the to the actors. Such Grind! As, Lick her nipples. <laughs> Put your hand between her legs. Get <laughs> the shoot lasted until well into the afternoon before the director was satisfied and wrapped. Oh, my God. What a yep. nightmare. I'm going to need more champagne for that. The famous sex scene was completely removed by the Irish censor when Don't Look Now was released in Ireland. So there you go. Renato Scarpa, who plays Inspector Longy, that's the uh, the police officer that Donald Sutherland is constantly talking to. Yeah. He, did, he didn't speak any English. He just read the lines he'd been given without knowing what they meant. He did pretty good. Him. He pulled it off. It's like Abba. This, they, the girls didn't speak any goddamn English. This added to the sinister quality of the character. So there I'm you not go. sure about that. Uh, the scene set in the church where Laura lights a candle for Christine was mostly improvised. Originally intended to show the gulf between John's and Laura's mental states, John's denial and Laura's inability to let go. Right. The script included two pages of dialogue to illustrate John's unease at Laura's market display of grief. After a break in filming to allow the crew to set up the equipment, Donald Sutherland returned to the set and commented that he did not like the church, to which Julie Christie retorted that he was being silly and the church was beautiful. And the director thought that the exchange was more true to life in terms of what the characters would actually say to each other. And right. did the scripted version and opted uh, to leave in just their regular conversations, their real life exchange. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Isn't that good stuff? Yeah, that really brought kind of something to the movie. <laughs> it was the most important moment of the film. It was pivotal. Let's talk about the cast and crew, shall we? Let's talk about cast, baby. Nicholas Rogue, I'm sure I'm messing up his name, was the director. Nick Rhodes, like the guy from Duran Duran? Yes, he was the keyboarder. <laughs> Keyboarder. Keyboardist. Nicholas Rogue. Directed oh, Rogue. Not Nick Rogue R from Duran Duran. R-O-E-G. He directed Walkabout in 1971, Don't Look Now in 1973, The Man Who Fell to Earth in 1976. Oh, little Bowie, huh? Uh, he did The Witches in 1990. 
That's the uh, I do. That's Houston. Angelica Houston. I do enjoy the witches. The man who fell to earth was also very European. Absolutely. He's a uh, English director, if I'm remembering this correctly. And let's talk about the cast. We've got Julie Christie. She played Laura Baxter. She was big in the 70s. She was Laura and Dr. Zhivago, too. Laura and Dr. Zhivago, uh, Fiona Anderson and Away From Her. She was Clarice and Linda Montag in Fahrenheit 451. Mm -hmm. And Laura Baxter in Don't Look Now. She's Um, real, real. Sorry, she was big in like the 60s into the 70s. I think by the 80s, that was pretty much it. And this was not uncommon at that time. This happened to... um, A lot of women. uh, a lot of women. You're absolutely right. Where they were big and then they reach a certain age and it's like, well, you're not a sex over. kitten anymore. Peace. Go get married. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, like who else? Like Faye Dunaway. I mean, she basically was big. She was uh, um, Bonnie and Clyde network and those things. And then by mm-hmm. the 80s, they're like, okay, moving on. Mm-hmm. Mommy dearest. Mommy dear was kind of like the tail end of her. Donald Sutherland, you know him from The Hunger Games, Catching Fire. He was in Pride and Prejudice in 2005. He was in The Hunger Games, Mockingjay, Invasion of the Body Snatchers in 1978. Oh, yeah. All sorts of good stuff. Well, that's the one with Jerry Garcia. He was in Animal House. Yep. He was in Clues. He's been a bunch of shit. Ton of stuff. Ton of stuff. Anybody, any other Peeper Sutherland, of course. That is true. Do you want to know about any of the other actors in this movie? Uh, tell me about the old uh, ladies. Uh, Hillary Mason played Heather, the blind woman. Uh, you know her from such things as uh, Don't Look Now. <laughs> she was in Robot Jocks in 1989. She was in the TV series, nine episodes of Aquila as Mrs. Murray in 97 through 98. And she was in Dolls, your favorite movie in 1986. Oh, she was the old, the toy maker's wife. That's it. That was her. Oh my God. That was like 20 years after this. She was like a hundred here. Yeah. The the other lady looks very similar to one of our brother-in-law's mother. Not naming names, but the blonde lady. That's a nice change of pace. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Clelia Matania played Wendy. You know her from such immortal masterpieces as... You know her. She was Italian. You know her from Don't Look Now. She was in... Il Succolo Pickwick. Wait, the blonde series. British lady is Italian? You're yes. looking at the wrong person. I am not looking at the sister Wendy. She was in the Monte Carlo story as Sophia. She was Madame Masson in Just Before Nightfall in 1971. And some other things. So there you go. That don't sound right. I think you're making shit up. No, that's what I do. so let's talk about the ratings shall we don't look now currently has 94 percent 
on Rotten Tomatoes certified fresh. You know what the audience gave it? Uh, 72. Close, 76. 76, they did not enjoy it as much as the credits. Let's look at the top critics. We've got Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian. It's a ghost story. It's a meditation on time, memory, and the poignancy of married love. And it's a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone says, That dwarf in a red raincoat will fry your nerves. (laughs) It's true. And Vincent Canby of the New York Times said, Not only do you probably have better things to do, but so I'm sure do most of the people connected with this film. Boom. That was a negative review. So the little go. dwarf lady was also in a Fellini film. She, yeah, she worked. She worked. She worked. She did her and you're right. Apparently the British lady is actually an Italian lady. I think she was born in England, but became, it looks like Italian descent. And then eventually. I never would have guessed. That's interesting. So what is your rating? For don't look now. Oh, I wasn't quite so enthusiastic about the whole thing. So I'm just going to give it a two and a half uh, small people throwing big people into canals out of five. Uh, I think I'm going to give it three out of five little red dwarves slicing throats <laughs> as they are slicing and dicing it's you know what i would say if you knew nothing about this movie and came in cold you, you would, would find it slow <laughs> you'd find it slow but i think the ending would freak you out okay. i think i think if you go in already know what the ending is thank you very much it kind of you're just kind of waiting for it you know what I mean? You're kind of going through the motions of watching this movie, waiting for the little killer to pop up at the end. All right. So all right, it is what it is. It's it's very well made, very well acted. It's beautifully shot, uh, but it's it's also feels a little dated because it's slow. It is slow. It's a slow, slow, slow burn with the most bizarre twist <laughs> the world has ever known. Hundred so percent. So, thank you very much. Go to our page on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We are on TikTok. All sorts of good stuff. You can also listen to us, but you can also watch us, as some of you are doing right now, on YouTube, for goodness sake. It's a simulcast. You can also email us at the podcast that wouldn't die at Gmail. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere the finer podcasts are available. So don't forget to like, share, rate, and review. Won't you? Won't you you please? Aaron, what is your social media situation? What's going on? I got the much media. I'm on the Insta. I am the cult of Aaron. Join the cult. I am Don't Feed the Pigeon. I am also on Artsy and First Dibs under the Instant Dreams Gallery. Aaron Doherty. Check it out. Polaroid goodness. Dynamite. Um, I'm going to talk about some comments that I received off the internet. What? We're still trying to decide when to actually do this segment. So I'm just kind of, whenever I remember to do it is where I'm throwing it in. Seems good. good Seems fair. 
talking about Nightbreed, which you released a couple weeks ago. Kitty Rage says, I love this movie. Been a minute since I've seen it. I used to get so mad about the guy that cut his scalp apart because it's anatomically incorrect. I'm like, where's the skull? I agree. I agree. No, no issues there. I got it. Also talking about Nightbreed, Brian Scuttle says both versions are an interesting supernatural thriller, but I love the Barker cut for the depth that it adds to the world. That's a lie. There is no depth. (laughs) There's no depth to any cut whatsoever. Very upsetting. (laughs) William William Real Jr. says, I disliked the first cut when I saw it way back when it was in theaters. It was too short and rushed through everything. The restored cut is great, though. As Brian Scuttle says, it has the depth that was originally missing. So there you go. Aaron clearly disagrees. So People. very upsetting. I'll say no more. It's it's like you're all in a cult. I know. I Next can't week. <laughs> okay. There, there. Okay. Next week, we're going to be doing the immortal classic, The Ghoulies, starring some people. Some people who did some stuff. We were talking about the Ghoulies ever so briefly when we were guests on the Cult Worthy Cinema podcast. So he's like, why haven't you done Ghoulies yet? And I immediately said, hmm, why haven't we? Why so haven't we're you? Doing that. We're doing that next week. You can watch that on Tubi. If you want to have the ads and don't want to have to pay for it, you can go to Amazon Prime or Vudu if you're so inclined. Or watch it with ads the way I did. Why not just buy it on Blu-ray? For free. They're just giving away copies. So send in any favorite scenes, favorite quotes, comments, and questions, and we may talk about it on the show. Right on, brother. Had by all. So thank you very much. And be well. Be well, my children. Ciao. Arrivederci. Buongiorno, buon pomeriggio, buonasera, buonanotte, ciao ciao.